Okay, and we are live. All right. Hi, and welcome to episode 23 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. I'm your host, Lisa Nowakowski, along with Nancy Minicozzi. I'm a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County, currently experiencing technical difficulties with the internet. And I'm Nancy, lucky enough not to be experiencing technical difficulties. I'm an ed tech coach here in Northwest LA County. Uh, I want to remind everybody of our podcast focus. We are accessible on your schedule. We have a short 15-minute format. Uh, you have a chance to get your own questions answered via our website or the YouTube chat on this webpage. Um, and we are Personalized Mobile PD. If you enjoy our podcast, and we hope you do, please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel um, or wherever you listen to your favorite pod your favorite podcatcher rate us while you're there because the more ratings we have the easier it is for others to find us all right and now for the coffee portion of our of our podcast did you know that coffee is the second most traded commodity excuse me on earth mm -hmm. according to the global exchange there are approximately 25 million farmers in over 50 countries involved in producing coffee and we love each and every one of them um, and if you're wondering the number one commodity is oil all right so tonight um, our guest is adam juarez who uh, will be talking to us about how he brought tech to the DBQ. And in addition to all of this awesomeness, he is a finalist for Q's Leroy Big, uh, Leroy's Big Idea. So um, can, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe slip in what's going, what the uh, Leroy's Big Idea is? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a uh, tech integration coach out in Rosie, California. Um, which is about halfway between uh, Fresno and Visalia, nestled right in, uh, below the foothills, um, <clears throat> Sierra Nevada Mountains right there. I'm like a 30-minute stone's throw from, uh, from the giant sequoias. So that's about where I'm at. It's a very rural area. Um, so I, I work for a, a middle school and a high school, uh, integrating tech uh, with teachers and training students on how to use a variety of apps. Uh, for Leroy Finkel, I, I started a project at uh, for our our high school and I have like a kind of a beta version going at the middle school but it's called the because we're at a Rossi high school called the Cardinals so I called it the Cardinal Innovation Center um, and it's um it's kind of a how do I say it's it, it, it's a it's a spin-off of a off a lot of different ideas that I've come across the last few years um, it go with um, you can take some crap classroom cribs book snaps uh, things like that sketch notes and a variety of other uh, lesson plan models where um, I'll be doing a lot of different things where I'll be pulling students out of classes to challenge them while teachers can take students that need intervention to uh, <clears throat> lower their class size. Um, I, we have actually have a book snaps and a uh, sketch notes gallery where students will be uh, submitting them, kind of like sharing their learning. So for students in the future to kind of benefit from it. So that's uh, slowly got off, the, getting off the ground right now. What a fantastic idea to have them just gather all of their notes and their learning together. What a great collaborative way of doing that. That sounds fantastic. I can't wait to hear more about it because you'll be presenting that at National Q, correct? Yeah, that's right. Excellent. Um, all right, so uh, our, one of our questions is, I didn't know what this was, so I, I actually had to look it up as well. Um, and so for our listeners who also don't know, what is DBQ? 
Uh, DBQ stands for document-based questions. Um, when we uh, first started our kind of journey on the Common Core, when I was teaching history, uh, DBQ was kind of our our history uh, way into Common Core because it's going to force you to uh, uh, make uh, claims and then uh, start uh, citing your evidence. Um, so when I first started doing it, we got this gigantic binder full of endless amounts of paper. And <laughs> when we had to do a DBQ, which is at least one couple every quarter, I spent so much time at the copier and drove me insane. It's like, I felt like I was killing all these trees. And so while I was doing that, I, I kept thinking of ways of how can I kind of tech this up? How can I make this more efficient, more 21st century? And then, uh, when I took my tech coaching job, I've uh, kind of experimented with a few, few things. Wonderful. Wow. So um, what were some of the things that you started experimenting with? And, and thank you so much for saving the trees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure the teachers that were behind you as you were copying all of those uh, papers are probably thanking you as well. Um, so what were some of the things that you started to integrate into this? Well, um, I was thinking of a, of a much better delivery system than, than a, just a packet of about 12, 13 pages. Um, I started using Google Forms. It seemed like a very good delivery system, especially with all the new updates to Forms. I'm able to uh, add a lot of uh, rich media to it. I mean, uh, when you do a DBQ, um, you have like a background essay, um, you have a, a hook exercise, and about uh, six to seven uh, different primary sources that students analyze for, um, they use it to answer a very overarching question, which eventually culminates in a, uh, an essay. And your traditional probably, uh, well, it depends on the students you're working with. With middle school, it's like a five paragraph essay. When you're in the high school, it's more gonna be more like a three to four page uh, paper that they write, taking a position based, based on their analysis of the, uh, of the primary sources. So. Instead of having them, I mean, I, I never remember making copies for students and they'd lose them. And that would drive me insane, drive me insane. And I, I, would, I would read their analysis of each document. I couldn't read their handwriting. Their spelling was horrible. So I'm like, oh, there's got to be a better way. Um, so Google Forms, I started uh, delivering, I use as a, I'm starting to use now as a delivery system. Um, and I can add, you know, a lot uh, a lot more pictures and uh, videos than I could, obviously, with paper. So that was, this is a real simple idea that I came up with. That's great. So you're just, you're able to put everything then in one place for them so that they don't conveniently lose uh, yeah. <laughs> the papers. <laughs> um, are there any other um, uh, delivery systems that you've toyed with, maybe Google Classroom or um, HyperDocs or anything like that, or you're finding that the forms really is the best for you. I think forms at, at this point has been the best for me. I have, a, I, my first idea was to use a hyperdoc, mm -hmm. but um, as far as um, <clears throat> collecting all the information, I think forms was better as collecting the, the analysis of the documents. Um, I've used Google Classroom to actually deliver the form. Um, so the form allows me to keep it all in one place. But I'm um, I'm actually gonna start experimenting a little bit more now with uh with Padlet. Padlet's one of my one of my favorites right now. Oh, Padlet is fantastic. Yes, for our listeners who haven't um, checked out Padlet yet, go to Padlet.com, and it's a really great resource and really great tool to use as well. Um, when you change to this new to your new delivery system with using Google Forms, 
Um, what was your students' response? Did they want to go back to the paper pencil? Were they all on board? What was, what was their response? Uh, initially, it was kind of mixed. Um, first, some students have been so conditioned to that paper and pencil that, that they, they, they don't want to deviate from it. Um, but as, as time has gone on, when I've, I've kind of experimented with this a little bit, they've, uh, they've seen the, the value in doing it electronically. And again, I, I, always, I always emphasize to them, like, I go, listen, when you, when you guys are off in college, this is going to be the way that you're going to be having, the majority of you are going to be having your, your assignments and activities, et cetera, delivered that way. I, I, and I tell them stories about how I, I did my master's completely 100% online, didn't use one piece of paper, and that kind of makes it real for them. Yes, it does. So with those students who were more for the paper pencil, have they now started, you said that they're, they're starting to see the value. Have you, have, have they started to convert over to more of the electronic oh, yeah. uh, version of doing things? Okay. Yeah, definitely. And isn't it funny how our, I have students of fifth grade who do this too. They, like you said, are so conditioned with the paper pencil that electronically they're just not sure what to do with it yet and I that blows my mind <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's kind of weird that you see kids kind of hold it on to that and then you turn around and they're addicted to their phones in there which is I mean I mean there's nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned but <laughs> but it's it's weird how they, they they live such an electronic life and then but they want their education to be uh paper and pencil so it's a again just finding ways to make it real for them so I, I like I said earlier I give examples about how I did my master's completely online, 100% electronic. And for the most part, they're, they're doing the CASP is totally electronic. So it's, it's just another way to kind of help them succeed. And have you had any other teachers um, interested in, in your way of doing the DBQs? Um, has anybody, you know, are they toying with those things in their classrooms as well? Or are you, as we like to say, the lone nut in, in this area? <laughs> and that's a complete compliment. <laughs> yeah, I'm still the lone nut, that, that's for sure. Um, the, as a tech coach, the most common response I get is that uh, we don't have enough, uh, we don't have enough Chromebooks for them to do it. We have to share, so I can't plan for it. So I'm not gonna do it. So those are some of the uh, standard lines that I get, excuses. and. I'm trying to get, at least with our history department, which does the DBQs, I'm trying to get them to work on a set schedule for sharing, because we're, we're supposed to go one-to-one -one in the next year or so, but they're sharing until then, and I'm trying to get them to have a set schedule so they know exactly when they'll have the, uh, the Chromebooks so that they can plan for it. So I'm trying to eliminate as many excuses as possible. That's a great way of looking at that, making sure that they have, you know, the shared uh, Chromebooks at the, like maybe the same time, you know, each week or every day or however it works best for them. That's great. Um, have you seen any changes um, as a result of, of going electronic with your DBQs? Uh, has the quality improved? Student engagement? Oh, engagement for sure. I mean, it's funny that you say that because that's what I wrote my master's thesis on was uh, you how tech can, can be a tool for increasing student, student engagement. That was the first thing I, I noticed. Um, you know, the, the quality is uh, still about the same, but I think it, it's, it is on the rise. It's gonna take some, then some time to continue to get used to the this electronic format. And I think once they're used to it, um, I think definitely their quality will, will uh, continue to improve. That's it. 
I love that. The more they practice it, the more they will get better at it. Absolutely. So um, do you have any advice for teachers who are not currently using, um, uh, who don't use like the DBQ to make use of what you do? So what is some advice that you have for other teachers to maybe get either a DBQ started in their classroom or convert their DBQs over to electronic format? I mean, if they're not using DBQs, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to start or uh, just quote unquote common coring up your history because uh, it's, it's going to get students to start really uh, delving deep into some uh, primary sources and helping them to start to really uh, take a stand and make a claim inside their evidence. Um, if they're not, uh, we use what's called the, D, the DBQ project. Um, with some guys out of uh, the Chicago area invented, uh, they're the founders of the, this company and they actually came out and trained me a couple times, which is, really cool um uh, chip brady and um I, I would definitely recommend him looking him up if not there's other kinds of dbqs that, that are out there for free online that you can take a look at but for me uh simple way i got started i took the actual dbq document the, the format and the, all the questions and documents and i i just started adapting it to, to google form that's that, that was the way i just played with it there's no kind of rhyme or reason to it there's no like set way to do it i just adapted it my own way. Okay, great. I love that. Just kind of jumping in and, and trying it out. Um, so at what age can students start using uh, the DBQ model? Um, where I work, we started doing it in, with seventh graders. So seventh through 12th, actually 11th grade are using it in, in my district. Um, I think it is available in sixth grade. As far okay. As as so that's mainly okay. for for your uh, middle school and high school students. All right, so it really is geared a little towards the middle school and high school students. Yeah. Okay, I was very intrigued by this um, as well. Um, have you found that the kids um, use your phone to use their phones, not yours, but their phones to um, to do the DBQs as well, or are they just solely doing it in the classroom with the Chromebooks and whatnot? For the most part, most part they're on the Chromebooks. Uh, they technically could do it on their phones. I wouldn't recommend it, um, but it, it could be done, but uh, I would definitely re recommend you using a Chromebook or an iPad. Okay, and that time, that was our timer because we are true to our 15 minutes. Um, are there any other final words of wisdom you would like to um, share with our listeners? I would say, you know, when it comes to implementing technology, um, two things, number one, don't be afraid to jump out of your, uh, your comfort zone. Number two, uh, in my experience, it's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission. <laughs> I think many of us live by that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, well, thanks again um, for joining us, Adam. This was really enlightening, um, especially for me. Um, I had never heard of this. And thank you for listening as well. So if you enjoyed the show, please leave a comment, let us know, and join us Monday, March 6th, when our guest will be Veronica Tadeo. And uh, thanks, Adam. And also, uh, listeners, please remember, we are always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms or in their districts. If you know someone who fits the bill or if you would like to be a guest yourself, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks so much. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.